Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 22nd episode of the Millennial Life Admin Podcast, Personal Growth for Your Work, Life, and Money. My name is Kimberly. I am a career coach for millennials in the public sector, a personal finance writer, and I'm here to help you develop the personal growth skills to make and manage your money meaningfully to create work-life balance. How? By tackling the self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and procrastination habits that are holding you back. And today we're going to be talking about how to create your financial independence plan. This is the third and final part of the financial independence series on the podcast. If you missed it, part one is actually episode 17, where we cover why you should consider pursuing financial independence, even if you don't achieve it. And that talks a lot about if financial independence is right for you, the sacrifices involved and what it actually really means. And the second part is episode 19 on the podcast, and that is the financial independence formula you need to implement to reach financial freedom. And in that episode, in part two, we really crunch the numbers. So we really talk about your financial independence numbers and how to calculate it and how to get there um, and what's involved in that. And the third part, what we're on right now, is how to create your financial independence plan. But before I even start, I want to put a bit of a disclaimer out there. And this disclaimer is also on the first episode of the podcast. I am neither a financial planner or a financial advisor. I'm not certified to give, you know, professional financial advice in that manner. This episode and this podcast is really for educational purposes and for you to learn how to start planning your financially independent future. I highly recommend you seek a you know, professional opinion if you want to make any significant financial decisions. But this episode is really for you if you really want to learn how to create a financial independence plan and get started and really understand the mechanics of it. So let's get started. The first thing that you need to do when you're looking at creating your financial independence plan is to evaluate your current assets. So the first step in creating your financial independence plan is really evaluating and looking at what you currently have and what you are bringing into this plan. This is going to be very personal because financial plans are personal, but because of the way that a financial independence plan is structured, and we talk a lot about that in episode part, sorry, part two in episode 19, the goals involved in financial independence are really aggressive. And that's why you it, it gets even more personal and you really need to look at what you are walking into the plan with because it will vary from person to person. There is no one size fits all model for this type of goal. So when I don't know if you were expecting this, but I'm not going to give you just like, here's the financial independence plan that you need to follow. It's really about creating your own. And it was going to be different depending where you are in your financial independence journey. So this will also be depend on, you know, where you are in your career, in your finances, in your age, in your lifestyles. Later in this article, we will be talking specifically about passive streams of income to sustain your financial independence plan. But we have to first start by, you know, evaluating and looking at your starting point. And again, it just changes. It varies so much depending on who's even listening to this. And when you decide to start implementing your journey to financial independence, like 
for example, in my early 20s, I like had no, absolutely no interest in this type of thing of financial independence. I was really just living my life fully. And I, I'm really happy that I did it. Um, you know, through travel and through learning and through challenging myself. And I really wasn't looking at like retiring at something like 30 years old. I had no interest in something like that. But now I am more interested into that. And my asset level at like 20 has varied a lot since now I'm almost approaching 30. And one of the things that's changed that in between that time is actually my rental property. So when I'm looking at my current assets and looking at my current financial independence plan, it one of the considerations is my rental property, but that might not make sense for you because it takes a lot of capital and depending on where you live, um, it may or may not be worth it to create and buy rental property. Um, renting, I believe, I don't believe renting is actually even a waste of money. And I talked all about the pros and cons of renting versus owning in episode 16. So if you haven't heard that, I highly recommend you listen to it. But for, you know, renting has um, a lot of ups, like pros, but it also has a lot of cons as well. So you, you really have to look at what your current assets are. And later in the episode, I'm going to be talking about how to decide what to pursue and what is right for you based on your preferences. But I'm going to use this um, example in evaluating a current asset and how it can actually be incorporated into a financial independence plan. So for mine, it's going to be a rental property. And the way I'm going to incorporate into my financial independence plan as I'm evaluating my assets is that I will look at the three scenarios that can take place with my um, rental property and how it fits into my financial independence plan. So the first thing that I could do, calculate into um, into my financial independence plan is think about paying off my mortgage and living in the property. So that will reduce my everyday living expenses because I won't really have rent or mortgage. I'll still have to pay property taxes and um, do maintenance, but I won't have a mortgage anymore. And when I'm creating my, you know, financial independence number, and that's again, what we talked in part two, episode 19, I can, I can make my um, expenses, living expenses lower, because if I don't have rent, if I plan on, you know, living on that in that property for the rest of my life, then I don't have to consider paying rent or having a mortgage as a part of my um, financial independence plan when I stop having to work, right? And the second scenario that can come out of this is paying off my mortgage and then having my tenants live in the property and relying on that as the stream of income for my financial independence plan. So the second scenario puts me in a place where I'm taking the capital and accounting that into my financial independence plan. So maybe I want to rent out a place that's even cheaper than what I'm renting my property for, right? And then I can rely on that um, rental income every single month to help me with my living expenses, right? So let's say I'm able to rent a place for $800. Um, and that's not very that doable in where I live in the lower mainland of British Columbia. But let's say I move into the interior of British Columbia. And that's where I want to, you know, retire. And I could 
probably e more easily find a place for $800 and I could still use that income to be able to pay my, you know, um, rent on my new place and then have my living expenses covered as well. So that's the second scenario. And the third for my rental property is I could sell it and I could invest in something else. So that is just one piece of like component, one asset that I have. And there's so many different ways I can incorporate into my financial independence plan. Another asset is my pension, but like, I'm not going to go into detail what every single asset I have, because I think that would just be very boring to listen to if I, we just talk solely about my financial independence plan based on me, my personal situation alone. But I hope that you take out of this um, section of the episode that, you know, your assets are going to vary a lot. You know, you might have like different types of investments or pensions or other things involved that I may not have, or that we might both have. So the first step in really creating your financial independence plan is evaluating your assets and then looking at all of the scenarios they can be incorporated to your financial independence plan, either by reducing your expenses or increasing your ca capital, like increasing your cash flow for when you do become financially independent, or maybe something like just selling the property and investing in something else. So that is the first step. Now, the second part to creating your financial independence plan is understanding your circumstances. After you consider your assets, you need to evaluate the situations that can help you reach financial independence faster or slower, such as debt and lifestyle. When you create, like when you calculate your net worth, the formula is like assets minus liabilities, and the same can be applied to when creating your financial independence plan. However, I want you to instead think of minusing liabilities plus or minus your personal circumstances because money isn't created equally and it especially shouldn't be evaluated equally when creating a financial independence plan and what I mean by this is our personal circumstances has such a huge impact on how we make and manage and are able to save or invest money I can say this with complete confidence because as someone who lived by myself for a few years with my own mortgage, I can testify to, you know, how much easier financially it was for me to then move in with a partner. In episode two of the podcast, I walk you through, you know, my journey from zero to ten, a 10K emergency fund. And one of the things that made it a lot easier to hit 10K is actually moving in with my partner and then having my expenses drastically drop. And I really want to acknowledge this because when you are creating these types of plans and you know going through these types of finances, it can be easy to feel shame or overwhelm. But as we move through this episode, I really want you to give yourself grace so that you can create a realistic and personal financial independence plan. Don't compare it to mine where someone else is off the internet. Really allow yourself to be honest and realistic um, because as you know, you calculate in part two, so that's episode 19, like reaching financial independence and the years that it's going to take to get there and the amount of capital it's going to take to get there, it's going to take a long time. So when you um, create your financial independence plan, you really need to consider 
like what's going to how um, situations are going to impact it and what are you going to choose to incorporate it or remove from it right based on your personal um, circumstances so what are you going to pay off what are you going to cut out um for example, a circumstance that you might be facing is you might have a expensive car payment, right? And that can include gas and insurance. Um, there are some people who live within walking distance of their offices. Some people are working from home right now. You may or may not live in a um, in a very transit-friendly area where you could actually transit to work. Like these are all circumstances and things that you need to account for when creating your financial independence plan. So do you cut out the car payment? Is there another option? All of those things can get involved. Another thing that you can also consider is your work circumstances. Like what I had mentioned before, like, can you work from your home? What is your salary currently? Like, can you move to a different job or, um, that pays you more or allows you to work better hours so that you can create new passive streams of income, which we will get to later in the episode. Um, another part is also the benefits that you might be getting at work. You know, um, for me, I personally have multiple pensions. I actually have, you know, the Canadian pension plan. Um, I have a work pension. I have RS RSPs as well, which is very similar to a 401k in Canada. And these are all things that, you know, my, I take into account to when I look at achieving financial independence. The other thing I also consider is that I have a partner who also has a pension. So, you know, things might look very different if you're single or um, if you are self-employed or have your own business or work for a company that doesn't offer retirement plans or matches. And that's okay. You just need to be able to um, account for that in your plan. So like, that's why you shouldn't compare it to mine or anyone else's. Another circumstance to consider is debt, including credit cards, cars, student loans, and mortgages. Yes, I count that as debt too. I know a lot of people don't, but you know that that's money you owe the bank. So like you don't own your property until you actually fully paid it off. So that is debt. Um you know, I'm very fortunate that the circumstance that I'm under is that, you know, I'm debt free apart from my mortgage and I paid for my education myself, but, you know, I was highly supported by scholarships and bursaries. So that is some, so I don't, I didn't have any student loan debt coming out of it. I actually paid it all off before I even graduated. So, you know, if you have debt when you're planning your, um, pursuing financial independence, that will be your first priority. And that is a circumstance that you need to account for. And like, even for me, as someone who doesn't have debt, there's still some more things I can cut out while I am pretty basic in most things. Like I don't spend a ton of money on other things. I spend a lot of money on travel. Um, I also have like Amazon Prime, uh, my partner, I also bought like a $1,500 e-bike this year. And we both buy like a lot of house plans, which as an adult, I've learned is quite expensive, can can get quite expensive. Um, I will correct that. It doesn't have to be, but if you get carried away, it's expensive. But, you know, when you're accounting for all these types of things, um, you really have to look at your circumstance and, you know, what is what does a meaningful life mean to you? Because I really believe in finding that balance between having a meaningful life and achieving financial independence. And that's something that I really talk more about in part one and two. But 
you know, there's so many different circumstances involved. And I know I covered a lot of them now, um, but there's just one last thing I wanted to cover, and that is illness because I don't think this is something that people talk about a lot. But um, if you um, are taking care of a sick parent or if you are sick yourself, that really will impact um, your circumstance on how you are able to reach financial independence. And again, give yourself grace. That is okay. I've been there as well. And it's funny because I was just watching um, an episode of Millennial Money on YouTube from CNBC about um, a man who lives on 39k and he lives at home i think it's in oklahoma and you know one of the first things he said is you know sometimes it's embarrassing but he's taking care of a sick parent and when he said that i really felt him on that because um i really uh, um i i really appreciate that he was able to share something so personal because i've been there as well I had to stay home to take care of a sick parent. I didn't want to talk about it with anybody and share that kind of information. I felt a lot of judgment for living at home, even though people didn't know what was going on. So if that is something you're going through, I've been there. I understand what it's like and the emotions mentally that's also involved. Um, thankfully, there's not that many expenses in Canada when it comes to medical care. Um, I mean, most things, not all is covered, but you know, if you have medical expenses or if you're helping taking care of another person in your life, that is, you know, such an important priority and just be able to give yourself grace on it. I really truly don't believe in, you know, money, guilt, or shame. And you, you know, you may be achieving financial independence at a different pace than someone else, but you are under different circumstances and everyone when you're going for this type of goal is just trying to do the best you can with the circumstances that you are given and that's why I really also believe in changing your circumstances and not focusing on the past and why I believe in something like career coaching because I really help people you know and I specialize in helping and millennials break out of their current positions and really go for jobs that they aren't um, don't feel qualified for and really creating that career confidence and marketing and being able to create a career roadmap for them. And that's because I only believe in, again, changing your current circumstances, not really um, dwelling on the past. So when you create your financial independence plan, really base it on your personal circumstances. And the third and last thing I wanted to talk about is when you're creating your financial independence plan is really focusing and creating passive streams of income based on your preferences. So I feel like this is like the juicy one. This is like the more, the most exciting thing to talk about is actually passive streams of income. However, this is going to come with a caveat because it's me. I believe in personal growth. And I also believe that if you're pursuing financial independence, I don't want you to do it miserably. So you really need to create like passive streams of income based on your preferences and your personality. And that's what we're going to be focusing on, on in this um, section. So there are so many ways to create passive income. If you Google it, like 5 million hits come up like, like the thing is, but just remember, you don't have to do all of them. And P.S. I looked up some of these um, passive streams of income and a lot of them are not actually passive. So 
in this you know episode i'm really going to focus on concentrate on creating sustainable passive streams of income not like driving for uber or or selling your coats your clothes on craigslist or facebook marketplace or something because that's actually not passive that's still trading time for money and like that's not sustainable because if you are selling clothes on like poshmark or craigslist or facebook marketplace right now First of all, you're, you're having to manually do it. And second of all, you will eventually run out of clothes. So it's not really passive stream of income. And I got that like recommended and I was like, this isn't passive. Um, and so when you're looking at creating passive streams of income, what I'm going to first recommend is really learning and focusing on one thing at a time and one category at a time. And we're going to be going through the different types of categories on how to create passive streams of income. And you know, I really learned this lesson through trial and error because I am so guilty of like shiny object syndrome when it comes to things on the internet. Um, and I guess it's like shiny article syndrome <laughs> because it's not a, an actual object. But, you know, when you're involved and you're looking at financial independence and passive streams of income, there's like a million pieces of advice out there. It's like start a blog, you know, someone who made $500,000 on their blog or like a YouTube channel or, you know, drop shipping on Amazon. And like there, there's literally like everything, right? But the thing is you can't do everything. And if you try, there's a lot of learning involved in each and every one of these you know, um, streams of income. And if you try to do all of it, you're probably just going to come out very mediocre and very amateur in a lot of little things instead of actually being great and being able to truly achieve uh, a sustainable path stream of income from one thing at a time. So that's why I think that, you know, it's really important to focus on one thing at a time. And there's so many different ways to create a passive stream of in, streams of income. Um, like I just like mentioned at the beginning of the episode, one of mine is like rental property that I could consider, but it takes an enormous amount of capital to actually get that type of um, uh, that type of investment, like a stream of income in place. And it might not be the best for you. P.S. As someone who is a, um, a homeowner and has rental property and stuff, it's not completely passive. Like it is semi-passive if you have good tenants, and thankfully I do. But it's not 100% passive. If something goes wrong, I still have to, I still have to fix it. I still have to deal with it. So that's why it's so important, you know, to consider the category of passive streams of incomes that you want to concentrate on. You can do everything at once, but you know, you might seem only like very mild success in this, uh, in these types of st streams of incomes, and you won't truly build something that's everlasting. As I mentioned in part one of the series, I don't believe in doing like whatever it takes to reach financial independence, especially if you're miserable and you're not doing it with integrity. P.S. Brief spoiler alert: an MLM is not is not a financial independence plan or a passive stream of income. So please don't do it. Um, but in the, like in the end, I just really believe that it's so important to choose a passive stream of income and invest a strategy that works for your preferences when building your financial independence plan, because it's going to take a really long time. It's going to take years. So let's start with, you know, getting to the details on how to create, you know, passive stream in, in streams of income. So there are three categories in which you can do this and three categories that I have 
no categorize myself is you can either build, sell, or invest when it comes to creating passive streams of income. So what do I mean by that? Let's start with building your passive stream of income. The category of building is really referring to building a tangible stream of income, like rental property um, income or having a YouTube channel or blogging. So this category has great payoffs, but it requires a lot of patience and a lot of initial work in the beginning with no reward. When you start build like blogging or building a YouTube channel, yes, the payoff could be really high, but you're not going to get like 10,000 views in your first video or blog post. However, if you build it to a certain level, you can start making money passively through advertising or affiliate marketing, which is where you like link a product and get a commission for it. This is the same actually for rental property as well, because it's a lot of upfront investment. And it while it might not see, seem like the same thing as building, but you know, when you're using your maybe your nine to five career money to put into investment like that's working you're working a lot of um, a lot more and be to be able to save up for an investment property and it won't like again because of how much it takes to get there and also like the process of buying a home like don't even get me started on that that's also a lot of work in itself it it can become passive but it doesn't start off that way and um the investment for like something like rental property um, can also um, increase and it may not pay off at once, but when the property value rises, then, you know, the income will be easier. So if you're choosing to buy a rental property and you may, you know, the rent may not be really high at that point in life, maybe in 10 years, the rent go up or the, the, um, the property value goes up and you're able to sell it. Right. So it, it requires patience. You shouldn't buy any kind of property um, thinking that, you know, you're going to have a quick turnaround or flipper property within a year or so, like that is extremely risky. So another thing that you can do to, you know, build a passive stream of income is you could have something like that rental property and then list it on Airbnb as well. But again, like that can take some time, like you're going to build great ratings or to become a super host on um, Airbnb. You know, the more your property gets booked, the, um, and the better of a property manager you are, the um, the more passive the, the, the income will come as you start creating systems for it. But that all takes time. So if you have the patience for it, these are the passive streams of income for this category of building. So like we had talked about rental property or Airbnb, another one is blogging, advertising, and um, affiliate marketing, you can use that to make money. Same with building a YouTube channel. The other thing that you can do to build a passive stream of income is through something called like royalties. So that's when you get paid for, you know, every time someone uses a soundtrack that you created or, um, you know, buys a book. So if that's something that you like to do, um, you could also create and publish a book and get royalties off of that. Again, a lot of upfront work though for something that um, you have to have patience with because you won't see the direct result right away. Um, another one is, you know, again, even creating something that let, allows you to license your copyright materials. So that can be something like um, publishing a book, creating music, if that's kind of your thing as well. Um, another way is also to create like a niche website. So this is different to blogging. So blogging is really about, you know, talking a lot 
more about your personal life and creating a niche website um, really focuses on something that people search and want to look up a lot. And you can also, you know, advertise and affiliate, use affiliate, affiliate marketing to make money off of that as well. If you're interested in that, I highly recommend that you Google that. If you're interested in like being able to like build a website, but to admit that you can make money off of, but you don't want to talk about your personal life. This is a really great avenue. Um, the other one is like, you know, building an online business that sells digital products, or you can, you know, build an online business that utilizes something like drop shipping, which is automating sales. And that's through an, a program like FBA on Amazon. That's what you can look into as well. So this category might be really appealing to you if you're really goal oriented and are able to put in the work at first without seeing the direct result. And you have that focus because again, everything that I just talked about takes a lot of time and effort and energy and has a learning curve if you want to do it successfully. These are also a great things if you're that type of person that likes to have that entrepreneurship kind of innovative creative spirit as well, then this is the category for you. So the next category is selling and this is pretty direct and this is this category is pretty clear. It's you know creating a passive stream of income for selling digital or automated services. Um, that way you it's not selling in the way that you're trading time for money again. So I'm not saying you know where you go to um, you know, you sell something at a craft market. That's not what I'm referring to when I say create, like creating a passive stream of income. This category is really for anyone who is creative, who likes the digital space and who likes digital marketing. Not everyone does. So if you are the type of person that really likes, you know, Instagram and social media and doing that kind of thing, this can be a great category for you if you really like connecting with people in that kind of way. And also if you like to see immediate results for your hard work. So if you are, you know, motivated by the numbers, by the sales, um, that is something, this is a great category for you because you will be able to build something and really excel in selling, right? And I, I don't mean that in a sleazy type of way or anything like that. Selling is very important. It's like how capitalism and the world works essentially. So I'm not downplaying it in any, in any way, but Really, if you're motivated by that kind of like the carrot in front of you, this is a great category for you to really be able to highlight and um, take advantage of that part of your personality. So some passive streams of income for this category, including like selling digital products on Etsy or um, digital prints. I forget what the society nuts society six. Yeah. That's the other website that can sell it as well. Or, you know, selling t-shirts, um, um, by being able to, again, drop ship, um, and don't, you don't have to be the one actually silk screening the t-shirts or anything like that, but maybe you're a really great designer, right? You're really great and creative. Etsy has like digital project, um, products on Etsy. And I'm just going to use Etsy as an example. I know there are other platforms as well, but I feel like Etsy is just the most popular one to talk about. You know, you can sell things like planner prints, um, materials um, for teaching you. If you are very creative, you could also sell PowerPoints 
for people's presentations. You can sell like Instagram packages, like for people who want to do like Instagram quotes or Pinterest templates. Um, like literally the list goes on and on and on. Once you get into that world, like the, yeah, the list goes on forever. And if you are especially wanting to sell things for businesses, Creative Market is a really great website. I actually go on there and I bought a couple of things off of there as well. You can also sell basically anything in digital form. Um, if you're a teacher, there's so many teaching materials that people sell online. Planning is also a huge, huge um, network um, market on Etsy, stickers, um, quotes, prints. I bought stuff like that off of Etsy and Creative Market as well. So the list is very endless on all the, th the digital things that you can sell. And if that's something that really, you know, motivates you, that really um, gets you excited. And I get that if you are the type of person that's creative, this is like the just so exciting to, for you to be able to have an outlet for your creativity and also create a passive stream of income at the same time. So that's one thing. Another one is, you know, selling stock photos. So if you're a photographer or if you really like photography, you can always sell your stock photos onto various types of, you know, stock websites. And that way you can be able to make that, you know, um, pass a stream of income just by selling that photo over and over again. Then the last one is, you know, selling online courses. This one can be a little bit more tricky because you might need, um, depending on what you're selling, you could require an audience for it. But there are also online courses where you don't need an audience. People actually go to look for it. So um, Udemy, um, Skillshare, those are places where people, like personal people, can create courses and other people can buy from that. And that is also a really, you know, great passive stream of income that just requires you to sell. That really allows you to take advantage and of that part of yourself. So the last thing that you can do to create a passive stream of income is passive investing. This is for you if you don't want to go through all the like hoops of building and selling things online. So if you're not a creative person, if you think if you everything I just said was like, no, I don't want to be on social media. No, I don't want to sell things on Etsy or on, on, on creative marketplace or, you know, have a YouTube channel or anything like that, then you might actually just want to concentrate on utilizing your capital and um, itself right? So you're not having to put it anywhere else or investing in anything else, just putting it into making more money. So this category is really for you if you're willing to take the time to learn about investing though, because this one, like the other ones can sometimes, you know, allow for mistakes. You kind of learn as you go. In some ways it could be intuitive. Like if you're just wanting to sell something on a creative marketplace, like Instagram, Canva templates or something like that, you can just like create the templates and then like load them onto creative market. Like you don't, you like you, you, it's pretty easy. Right. Um, and it's under easy to understand. I mean, but like something like investing can be really complicated actually. And it can involve things like which accounts do you use? What's the taxes involved? Right. So it actually takes a lot more learning. And if you try investing like without learning it at the beginning. I mean, yes, you could be successful, but there's also a high chance that you could lose a lot of money. And I say this from a place because that's what happened to me. So in episode five, um, 
I talk a lot about, um, you know, the five beginner investing mistakes um, you need to know to avoid losing thousands. And I walk you through all of my investing mistakes and what you shouldn't do. So if you're looking at investing, like listen to that episode before you start. But investing can be such a great way to create passive streams of income because like it's money that makes money on itself, right? Once you get it, you can just start making money like in your sleep. You don't really have to do anything. You can do it extremely passively. And some of the you know passive streams of income for this category are high yield dividend investing. So dividend investing is when you in, um, invest in companies that pay out a dividend, which is like a, like a small amount of money to its investors every single either quarter or six months. It depends on like the company itself. And again, this is why it takes a lot of research. This is going to be why it takes a lot of time to learn. But if you're willing to do that, it can pay off really, really well. And um, uh, if you have a lot of capital, it is this is like easier and easier. It gets easier and easier because you don't, you know, the more you put into dividend investing, the more dividends they pay you and then the more you can dividend invest. So it's like a circle within itself, right? So that can be one way. Another is, the Burr strategy for real estate investing. So if you don't know what Burr means, it's like B-R-R-R. So it's when you buy a property, you renovate it, you rent it, and then you refinance it. And then you do the same thing over again. This is quite risky, but if you do it well, a lot of people have been able to do it well and own multiple rental properties and they refinance it. And again, this is something that if you're planning to do, I'd really recommend that you speak with a financial advisor about because it does work. It is really complex and it requires a lot of to obviously time and energy, but it is a learning curve as well. And it has a lot of risk involved. And this is when you kind of put in that circumstance, how much risk are you really willing to take on when you're creating your financial independence plan? Yes, high risk, high reward, but high risk also means like um, high losses as well. So it's just one of those things to consider. Another is robo investing. So if you are interested in robo investing, it's when um, you do something through like Wealthsimple. And it's basically when you put in an amount of money and um, the robo advisor will actually, you know, create, um, invest the money for you in a certain type of portfolio that you obviously choose. So if you are very risk averse, they'll choose a very, you know, safe portfolio. If you have high tolerance of risk, um, they'll, you can put it in, you know, a growth portfolio. So if you are into robo advising, I talk a lot about that more in episode five, that could be something you could consider. Now, the next ones are things that I'm not expert in. So I would highly recommend you do your research. Um, I can explain them very briefly, but um, definitely not um, things that I've done before as well. So one is real estate investment trust. So when you buy these types of like, from what I understand, they're types of like a type of almost like a stock, like an ETF that you can buy in the stock market. And it's basically when you are, you know, working with a, like you buy, you buy into a company who buys real estate essentially. And obviously there's a lot of risk and reward involved in that. Please Google it if you, um, if you are interested in it, because I'm not the expert in that. Um, I just have rental property. I don't do much other real estate investing. The next one is refinancing your mortgages or loans. So 
this is something you can do to do to be able to have more capital to invest, like what we talked about in the Burr real estate investing strategy. So you can refinance if you have a mortgage and take the capital out of that or refinance a loan. Or the last thing you can um, pass a stream of income for this category is like just having interest on, you know, high interest savings account. I don't believe that you should have most or more than just emergency fund and obviously sink funds in high in, um, interest savings account. But at the same time, who doesn't like free money? So if you do need to have money on that, you can take, if you have a lot of money um, in, in those kinds of accounts, you can always utilize that money for investing as well, because that's passive as well. That's basically like free money. So, um, and the last one is obviously, I mean, I didn't talk about it explicitly, but I think it's kind of implied. It's like, you know, your retirement accounts, um, again, that will very so rapidly so that can be your 401k Roth IRA RSP um, pensions so that is also kind of like a passive stream of income and that you can contribute into and really I recommend that you maximize that out first and then before um, divulging into the other ones but yeah I mean I don't know if I actually had to say that because I feel like that should always be a part of your financial independence plan so that is it for this episode. Just to do a quick recap, the three things you need to do when creating your financial independence plan is one, to evaluate your current assets, two, to understand your circumstances and give yourself grace in this area, and three is really focus on creating passive income streams based on your preferences. And as I outlined in the episode, there's three categories, that's building, selling and investing when it comes to passive streams of income. So I hope you found this helpful and that you have enjoyed this series on the podcast. I've had a lot of fun actually creating it. Thank you, Jack from the MLA community for, um, asking for it. And if you have ever have any questions or if you would ever like to request an episode, please feel free to DM me. I'm at Millennial Life Admin on Instagram. You can always email me as well. My contact information is always in the show notes. And yeah, thank you for being a part and listening through this very long episode. I didn't expect it to be this long. And um, really just listening and I appreciate it so, so much. I've had a lot of fun actually doing the research for this series and learned a lot on the way myself. So until next time, happy saving and spending.